Hello, anyone listening, and welcome to Connecting Vague Dots with me, Jay Panels, Seth Cox, and this week, a very special guest, Tom Carey. Yeah. Hi, guys. Hi, Tom. Hi, Hi Tom. You are our first return guest. Brilliant. Well, technically, Dan was here last time, so, I mean, it's it's not like this is my second appearance on my own. This is my first appearance, my debut by myself. But you know, yeah, I've been de- you you are of a debut um, solo return. Yeah, it's like it's like we had the bat we had the band last time, like the sessions band, and now because that's diminished, we yeah. it's just me and me and Seth now. It's, it's like we get it's like we get the Gallagher brothers, or we get Oasis on, and then yeah. we and then we come back and we just have Noel. Yeah, yeah, yeah not, I don't, not I, Liam. No. I, I don't know which one is good or bad. I'd... They're both awful people. Yeah, They're I both awful that. people. But Liam's just a little bit, you know, nicer and all round. Whereas Noel's just—he's—he's he's an idiot. His music's awful nowadays. So you're you're Noel then? <laughs> yeah, it's, t- it's yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm Noel. Yeah. Shall I do my? Shall without I introduce the, without, a... without the temperament? Yeah. That's, that, yeah, that's good. And the um, talent. And the talent. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> shall I do my do my spiel? I really hope you mess it up. Okay. Hello, listeners. And uh, this is me, Seth. And for those of you who don't know what this is all about, what we do is we all pick a film, an album, and a book, and we all pick them with an underlying link or theme in mind. And then the other person on the podcast, or in this case, the other two people, have to try and guess the link between these things. And um, there's a point system involved similar to Only Connect. So if you get the link within the first one, you've got three points and two points respectively, et cetera, et cetera. And me and Jay also introduced the point system so that we'd actually go away and revisit uh, the other one's suggestions, which involves um, you get a point if you yeah revisited what the other one suggested. So Jay, did you revisit any of my suggestions from last week? Uh, any of your pedo suggestions? No. Ooh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Look, yeah, was okay, Tom. My link last week was paedophiles. Um, <laughs> no, no, maybe not the most idyllic connection. No, it was It's it was a slightly tasteless link. <laughs> yeah, it's, o- it's, on the dry side. On the dry. Side. A on that. <laughs> Hard to swallow, as I'm sure many of them were. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. You can't say that. The point is. It wasn't the best link, but this week I'm doing a lot better. So, Jay, did you go and revisit any of my pedo um, suggestions? Oh, I, d- I didn't revisit any of your pedo stuff. <laughs> I think that's a good thing, mate. I think you've done well there. That was a test. Was it a passed. test? Yeah. Well, I-, I thought you really wanted me to watch the History Boys. <laughs> I was, oh, yes, I, I was, did, actually, yeah. I was actually just about to say, was one of your choices the History Boys? Just because <laughs> of that horrible... I, I can't watch that film anymore. I just, I just can't, because it's creepy. Not creepy. It is. Richard Griffiths is creepy in it. Richard Griffiths is creepy he... as he is in it, as he is in Wisdom and I, where he tries to rape Paul McGann. That's like on a slightly different scale because these are like school kids, right? These are little kiddies, right? Yeah, but he doesn't go and rape little them. kiddies. <laughs> yeah, I know, but he's like, you know, touching them up. You know, that's still, you know, not permissible. Yeah, no, it's not good. And it's no. kind of glorified in the film as well. So it's just, it's. No, it is a little bit. It they is just don't. Bit. They just don't talk about it much. Brush it under the carpet, yeah, which they, is fine. Br- exactly. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Jay, I, I did actually revisit um, one of your. Well, visit one of your suggestions. 
Did you? I'm trying to remember what my suggestions were. So you had La La Land? Oh, yeah. It was La La Land, Future Nostalgia, and... Uh, oh, uh, uh, Crap's, Crap's Last, Last Tape. Tape. That was it. Uh, so I, I still mean to watch what Crap's Last Taste. Because uh, it's only about like 10 minutes long, you know? It's not long. Is it? Yeah. Oh, well, right. there's a YouTube performance that's only like 10 minutes. Anyway, the one that I did revisit was Future Nostalgia, and it was actually quite good. Yeah. I, I think it's a really good album, actually. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, all right, so now we got that out of the way. Do you want to crack straight on? I suppose we could do, yes. Does, Should uh, we start with our guest? Do, do we have any other spiel to, to go on with? Oh, yeah, do we have any news from the week? I, I have better news. I, oh, I have hello, better mate. News. So, last About the night... About the date? Oh. No, 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 not that. Oh. Um... Last night, I was recommended this album by my Canadian friend, Evan. Shout out to Evan. And it was... I've never heard of this band before. You guys might have heard of it. They're called Fontaine's DC. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, and basically, they dropped their second album yesterday. And Do do they know where they dropped it? (laughs) Did they pick it up again later and sort of post it? Brilliant. And uh, it's called A Hero's Death. It's a... And... I listened to it in full because you, you know an album's really, really good when you skip no songs, you listen to it in its entirety and it's just blissful the whole way through. And it was just, I don't know, it was, it was just, it's a really fantastic album. So I recommend it to anyone. It came out yesterday. Go check it out. It's very, very good. Probably my album of the year so far. Oh, wow. Okay. I will have to check that out. Yeah, it's I very will good. probably listen to that probably. On the dark yeah. side, kind of a bit post-punk-esque, but very good, nevertheless. Lovely. Well, that, that Great. Is good well, thank, thank you for that, Tom. You're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Go and check that out. That sounds good. So, yeah. in, a, in a similar vein, my news is, um, I've already talked to these two about, about the shits last night because of this pizza that I ate <laughs> from Gino's. How is that in the similar vein? <laughs> well, sort of keeping up with the sort of, the, 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 um, the, the important shit, you know, the stuff that matters. Right. Brilliant. You know, not none of this <laughs> trivial nonsense. So I thought you'd want to know about that. Tom. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to sort of give us your film, your first choice of this okay, week? Okay. So all three of my choices today are is a film and a, and an album and mm. a book. I've covered that. The, yeah. Yeah, but all of them are to to a certain degree my favourites of each medium, pretty much. Some well. Not my favourite favourite, but like, you know, they're definitely up there. You shouldn't and have told so, us that, because well, I, I might have guessed that as, as your link. Could I don't think... The red gonna... herring. It's a very specific thing, though. Okay, that's fine. So, so well, it's, it's got nothing to do with that, but that's just a factor that I just thought I'd just say. These are all my favourites. So, okay. Kicking it off. We're starting with films, yeah? Yep. Yes. Okay, groundbreaking film. Showing at the cinema in Bristol next Tuesday. <laughs> I know what it Ver- is. Very tempted to see it. It is Donnie Darko. If oh. if you guys have watched it, well, I know Seth has seen it, but I don't know if you have seen it, Jay. No, not yet. I, I keep told to Jay watch to watch it, it actually. Hmm? I told I've to, I've told you to watch that. Yeah, lots of people have told me to watch it, and I just I just forget. You just don't do what anyone tells you to do because you. No, you're I do. I do occasionally. It, it sort of depends on on how much I value the the other person's opinion. Well, now you've been recommended by two people. <laughs> well, yeah, or I'll, even three. So, I, I mean, I need to go and watch it. I'll go watch it at some point. Please um, talk about um, Donnie Darko. Wait, um, just a second. So, I recommend it, and last year, and you haven't watched it, and Tom recommends it, and you go, oh, yeah, I watched that. 
what does that say about how you value my opinion? You don't. It might also speak to the fact that we're recording. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to come across as a dick (laughs) or anything, do you? God forbid. Or maybe I just want more points next week. Possibly. Oh, yeah, true. But then you could have... Anyway, Tom, tell us, talk to us a bit about Donnie Dark and why you like it so much. All right, so a bit of, uh, bit of a backstory with the film. Basically, what happened was it was... Uh, there was this director who was just given a load of money to go out and make whatever he wanted. They put a lot of faith into this director. And it was kind of make or break. And he pulled it off, really. And, well, I mean, there's a recut, like a final cut, which I think is just insulting to the original version so if you are going to watch it make sure you watch the original first cut i think it's fairly accessible but it's the one because basically what they did with the final cut is they explained everything throughout the film so it was kind of just like you watching like commentary over the top of it and it was just yeah a and bit it too... wasn't very subtle either was it no it lost all the subtlety and kind of mystique of the original which was a shame really but nevertheless it was the, the director pulled it off and it turned out to be a really really good film that's as much as I'm gonna say. It is good. It's got um, great soundtrack as well, obviously. Br- brilliant soundtrack by I think it's what's his name, something Mike Michael Michael Rich. No, something. It'll come back. Scott. It'll come back to me. Yeah, it'll come back to me. Obviously, our our big big boy Jake Jilly Willy is in it, and we love big boy Jake Jake Jilly Willy. One of his first films, and he he said that um, the character of Donnie Darko really resonated with him at the time because he was at a similar similar age group where you're like you're going, you're moving on in the world, and it's that's the kind of step between adolescence and adulthood, which is just sometimes quite conflicting. And he talks about how he felt like he had a connection with the character of Donnie Darko, so I thought that's also quite nice. Really embodied the character quite well. Cool. So, so what that's you guess? Donnie Darko. Hmm. <sighs> I'll let you take a guess first, Seth. That's very kind of you, Jay. I insist that you guess first, and I guess second based on what your guess is. I insist. But Seth, I know almost nothing. My guess is going to be useless in oh, terms that... of hinting for you. That, that, is, that is true. That is true. Okay, fine. Tom, is mm-hmm. your link um, that all your choices are about or written by people who are that age, sort of turning from... Just turning into adulthood, on the cusp of adulthood. No, so, uh, I, Seth, I think you completely missed my point. You, you really was, you, you weren't really listening to me. I said that the director was, um, no, 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 sorry. Jake Gyllenhaal said that he embodied the character, not the director. Yeah, yeah no, I said about all written by people on the sort of cusp of adulthood. Uh, no. No. Not close. Not, not even, not even, you know. Jay, don't listen to a thing you just said. Yeah, I wasn't. So, I wasn't really going to. Um, so far, so far from the link. Did, did you did you sort of mention and hint at um, what you what your link is when when you were talking about it? Uh yeah, I did a little okay. bit. A little hint. Is it the the sort of overall meaning of the the project is quite obscure? Not 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 uh, obscure, but like sort of hard to get at, possibly. No, not really. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, yeah, but uh, good guess, good guess. I think when I give when I say my book and album, I think you both you you both will understand that 
it's it's nothing really to do with kind of the concepts okay it's more to do with the context of it okay so that's that's my second hint i just gave you a big hint yeah, that, that that sounds like a good hint yeah. yeah it's it is definitely more difficult to get it on the on the first one. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Also, it's it's definitely difficult to get it when when we have a guest as well because I by now I know sort of how Jay's brain works and how he draws links between things. But when we get a guest on, obviously, we, we it's it, it's it's a whole new world as I like. Yes, it's a spanner in the works. Yes, it, Tom, you are the spanner, mate. I'm the spanner. Thanks, you mate. are the spanner. <laughs> Brilliant right. analogy. Okay, so moving on, <laughs> Seth, your Ooh. film. Add an S on the end of it. Have you chosen a bloody trilogy again? Yes, I have. Oh, is it Lord of the Rings? I haven't chosen Lord of the Rings again, no. Although I was going to choose that from the books. No, it's the, Cornet, just... it's the Cornetto trilogy. <laughs> it isn't. It is. The Before trilogy. Oh, fuck. Uh, still haven't seen them and probably won't because it's like, you know, a bit soppy, isn't it? It's not a bit soppy. <laughs> Fucking hell, Tom. It's the hallmark of sop. It's re- it, it really is. isn't. It really isn't. It's yeah. a hallmark of good romance dramas. That's what it's yeah. a hallmark of. Yeah. Very, very good. So obviously this um, trilogy, for those who haven't seen it, it's um, you've got Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight, respectively. And um, the first one was released in the 90s with um, Ethan Hawke, who I like a lot. I think he's a very good actor. He's often labelled as being quite pretentious, um, but he... he um, you see, you say that, Seth, but I, th- I actually think, on the other hand, whenever I see him in a performance or something, I often think he comes across as being quite modest and humble. I don't know why he just he just gives off that kind of I don't know. Mm. I, I I don't I don't I wouldn't say he comes across as pretentious, but um, but obviously, that's the way he's come across. But. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the way. That's another thing about his acting. It's very naturalistic. Like he's just talking. Do you know what I mean? There's no. It's quite low key. It is very low-key, and that's what's great about the film, because you've got Ethan Hawke. I can't remember who's opposite, who's co-star. I can't remember her name, but she's brilliant. And they just talk, and it's just really well-written script. And you've got these long sort of two-minute takes, which I like in films, because it actually causes, it actually makes the actors act. Do you know what I mean? It gives them yeah. a bit of time to sort of get into what they're doing. So I quite like that. So, yeah, first one. I was actually just on the page for the first one. 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, would you believe it? Or really? Sunrise, yeah. Yeah, uh, was it? Uh, it's Richard Lintlater, isn't it? Yeah, it is Richard Lintlater. Yeah. And then obviously he released the second one, and then the third one was released in the final one was 2013. I think Ethan Hawke likes these long projects quite a lot because he did Boyhood as well, which obviously filmed over the span of about 16 years, and this was filmed over yeah. the span of 20, just under 20 years. So I think he likes committing to stuff like that, which is good because they're always interesting. I like stuff like that. Hmm. You know what I mean? Anyone got any uh, sort of questions? Hmm. Disclaimer: I haven't actually seen the last one, so okay. I've only seen Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of them, so they're it... actually very good. Just for the acting and the script, they are very good. Okay. Is the fact that it's a trilogy important? Uh, I'm not at liberty to give away any clues or hints at the moment. I could keep talking about it a bit more, but I'll see my next. Yeah, so. you can. Uh, do you, have you mentioned? Uh, that was burp. Uh, have you mentioned <laughs> your link? You vile, vile human being. Yes. Can't you restrain your burping and farting for the one hour that we do? 
That's just a that's a protest burp. That. that yeah, it was. I can burp on command. I bet you're one of those people that burped on the on the ballot paper as well. Just, just I as a burp on my ballot paper. I bet you a protest burp vote. A protest. <laughs> what is that? A protest burp vote. Oh, I was going to talk about the film a bit more, wasn't I? But yeah, I go ahead. Please do. Yeah. So um. Oh, what else is there to say, really? So it's just, the first one is obviously about them falling in love. And at the end of the first one, this isn't a spoiler, at the end of the first one, they say, oh, oh, we didn't exchange numbers or anything. And they didn't. They, they didn't exchange any details. And she's getting on the train. And they go, oh, we didn't exchange anything. We'll meet here in exactly a year. And the second one takes place about 10 years later. And they didn't meet there in a year. They are, in fact, they, you know, they missed each other. And now they've met again. And they've sort of bumped into each other. And they'd be like, were you there a year ago? Oh, I went. Oh, you weren't there. Or you, did you go? I wasn't there. And it's all very awkward. And then they sort of fall in love again, even though one of them's married and one of them's, you know, it's sort of that doomed romance thing. And I haven't seen the third one, so I don't know how it actually pans out. But I quite like not knowing how it pans out. But I think that's important. Does it have kind of like a 500 days of summer kind of feel to it at all? What, this sort of, as you're watching it, you're thinking this is never going to work? Well, the, the thing about 500 Days of Summer, which in itself is a very, very great film. I mean, it, it's, it's, I'd say it's, it is in the mainstream, but... That's a I soppy think, film. That's a very soppy film. No, I wouldn't say it's a soppy film. It because, is. But, no, 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 because it, it, it literally, it opens with, this is not a love story. Because it, it, it isn't. It's, oh, it's oh okay. Fun. Oh, okay. It's not a love story, then. What do you mean? Well, obviously it opens with that, because I don't want people like us to go, oh, well, no, no, I'm not watching a love story. Well, no, 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 because it isn't a love story. The whole concept of it is that he's so crazy, and it's from his perspective, which I love. So it's it's told through his eyes. He thinks everything. He glorifies everything. He thinks the relationship's amazing. But then we soon find out that it was it wasn't even that good at all, and she ends up getting married with someone else. So it's it's kind of that whole doomed romance thing. So is it similar? My my question is: Is it similar in that sense? Is it doomed? Yeah, you get very much the sense that these two, by the way that they fight all the time, and yeah. they they always yeah. have disagreements about petty things. So you get you get an idea, and obviously it it takes over twenty years. You think, oh, okay, this this isn't this isn't gonna work. I feel like you just you're just very passionate about romances that don't work out. Yeah, I mean, you chose La La Land last week, which is a good example. Yeah. But I've chosen one, and you've chosen like three different films on three different occasions with a doomed romance in, and also one of your links was doomed romance. Doomed romance, yeah. This is, that's oh. not my link this time. Can we also um, draw the link? This is a separate link to the fact that these doomed romance films typically have the whole uh, like you know cross screen between the expectations slash reality thing. Like in Five Hundred Days of Summer, it's used in La La Land it's used again, so oh, I always I kind of yeah, like that, that kind of, you know, um, device for the whole reality slash explanations, yeah. Yeah. which I always really like. Yeah, they Especially, don't do it in this well, film. Okay. Like I well, said, it's very naturalistic, it's just like watching two people just have yeah, a chat. Yeah, that would, that would be, that would, it, it would be so out of place in a natural yeah, absolutely. film. Whereas 500 Days of Summer, it's kind of like a date, I mean, there's literally a sequence where he's dancing down the street with like 500 people behind him, which yeah. is obviously, you yeah. know, a metaphor. It's, it's, it's stylized, not... isn't it? It's very stylized, which is probably, I, I, that's probably why I like it so much. And I also well, This is the opposite that. end. It's none, no style. Well, I say no style. It's got a naturalistic style, but apart from that, it's 
you know, there's nothing. How, how naturalistic is it? Is it like, because, um, like I mentioned to you about, I, right, so I love Ken Loach. He's a great film director, one of the the best, in my opinion, one of the best British film directors ever. But his films are to a point of, is it natural naturalism? Naturalism, yeah. Naturalism, where it's literally, it's it feels almost like a documentary. Like his most recent film, um, which I do recommend you guys watch, it's called um, Sorry We Missed You. And it's about this parcel delivery guy who's on the brink of poverty and it's just genuinely one of the most depressing films yeah. I think I've ever watched. And it, but it, the thing is, it's the reason why it's so sad is because it's so naturalistic. So the, the acting is obviously very naturalistic, naturalistic. I think some of it's improv actually as well, which just helps with the sort of, mm. we're just having a convo sort of thing. Um, the, there's no sort of stylistic camera work in the director's very sort of, oh, these are two people. I mean, there's still nice, you know, there's still lovely shots in it, but not like that. Um, I don't think there's much of a soundtrack, but you don't need it. It's, it, with, it just needs to be well written, and it is very well written. That'll keep you hooked enough. Okay. I think. Right, guess is at my link, and then we'll do Jay's. Tom, do you want to go first? I tell you what, I'm going to have to miss this round, because I have no idea. Okay, mate. Okay. I can't even guess. I can't even guess. Is it about... Uh, like projects that took a uh, that take that uh, span across a very long period of time. I was thinking that, but that's probably not it. No, so. is that your is that your guess? Yeah, that's my guess. You're close. I'm close. Oh, okay. Close. You're warm. Really? I, I thought You're that. Warm. I, I, I did think exactly what Jade just said, but I, I, I like. I, I, th- I isn't that a bit obvious? Because you do you did actually say to us like five minutes ago that he likes doing projects that span over a long period of time. Yeah, well, it's not right. He's, he's warm because my okay. next one will reveal that, that that can't be the case, unfortunately. Jay, uh, okay. your film. My film. Yes, very good. My film is Hell's a Popping. So it's from 19, 1942. That's old. Beginning in 1942, <laughs> end of 1941. Um, <clears throat> and it's an American film based on a stage show um, that is. Ba- that is anarchic from start to finish, essentially. Um, and it, Chick Johnson and Ollie Olson, who were big, co- who were a big comedy duo of the time, and it follows the making of a film. But no, it's not the making of a film. The, it's a film in a film. Okay, which is oh, immediately. So- so it's like self-referential and everything. That that medium. It's, it's ve- it for for nineteen forty. It's very very meta. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it is just a whole bunch of big musical numbers and stupid jokes, and it's you know how the Pythons were inspired by the goons. <clears throat> yeah. Mm. It's like ten years before the goons, and it's very very <laughs> goon show. <laughs> It's, so, uh, is it is it similar to like a Fellini's Eight and a Half? I'm guessing that kind of idea concept of like th- there being like a film going on within a film type of thing. Yes. Super yeah. It, 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 there, there is definitely an element of that, but you sort of either forget about it or it, they don't really reference it unless there's a joke to be made about it. What, okay. what I've got in my head at the moment. 
is I'm just thinking singing in the rain. You're talking about these musical numbers, a film within a film, farcical comedy. I'm I'm just thinking, is it very much like singing in the rain? Sort of. It's singing in the rain, but with stupid jokes instead of clever jokes. Okay. And then there are so, there are lots of repeat jokes. Um, some of the jokes are kind of clever, but most of them aren't. <laughs> yeah. Most of them are just somebody's flying off, um, holding a, a potted plant and a whole heap of balloons. And so somebody has to grab an air rifle and shoot them down. Let's see. It's, and just stupid stuff like that. And it's really, it's really, really good. I think it might be my favorite, one of my favorite films of all time. It's, it's really uh, anarchic and funny. And the music, the musical numbers are actually really, really good. And there's a really good number about an hour into it that is like a, a there's a, like a Lindy Hop number. Hmm. which is it doesn't it doesn't relate to any of the film at all I think they just felt like putting a Lindy Hop in there and then they did and it's one of the it's so good is it black and white then I'm guessing yeah yeah it's in black and white okay Hmm, interesting interesting I think I've got an idea of what your what your link might be okay what Tom do you want to guess first yeah Tom Purely based on the fact that I took a course at uni based on films that are about filmmaking, my guess is just going to be, is it about films about filmmaking? Uh, no. Is uh, he almost warm? No. Damn it. I'm going to do Am my guess anyway. Uh, no. Not, okay. not right. particularly. Shot in the dark. Is it things that are a bit meta? Not meta. Oh, damn it. No. Uh, okay. You might you might get a better idea of it in the next one, but I'm fairly warm, lukewarm. You're you're along the right lines. Okay, interesting, interesting, interesting. Tom, your yeah. music choice, please. My music choice. Um, I could get the record. I could get the record out if you guys want, but it might take like two seconds. So it's kind of pointless. Oh, and your screen's off. But um, and it's I a audio my- podcast. Okay, good point. Um, so it won't really matter. Uh, but I do have the album on vinyl. Okay. It's one of my favourites. Uh, and it is the album Nowhere by the band Ride. Good. Great album from what I've heard of it, which wasn't all of it, but, you know, they're good. Me and Tom have been to see Ride Live, Jay. Yeah, and we uh-huh. met them as well. Oh, yeah, that's cool. They, they signed our little records for us, and Tom, being a little thrifty man that he is, went and resold one of them to a man and. Denmark for a hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. So the album came out in 1990. Um, it's kind of the bra- It's under the bracket of shoegaze music. If you know what that is, do you guys know what shoegaze is? Yes. I am not familiar. It's essentially just kind of a big wall of sound, heavy distorted guitars, that type of thing. Okay. So cool That's because it. obviously the, the the pedal board that guitarists have. So they're always looking at their shoes. She goes bands because yeah. they're always pressing right. sort of delay and reverb and chorus pedals and what have you. Ah, yeah, so that's, what, that's where they got the name from. Shoegazes. Yeah. But uh, groundbreaking record for its period. I mean, it came out a year before the album Loveless, which is kind of hailed as being the best Shoegaze album. So you could potentially argue that it may have inspired My Bloody Valentine to make Loveless, but I mean, they were kind of in the process of recording at the time. So I can't really vouch for that. But yeah, really solid album. 
I've got what are your uh, guesses? I've got a couple of questions about Loveless actually, Tom. Oh, Loveless, okay. Yeah, not 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 sorry, this is kind of unrelated. But Loveless isn't on Spotify, is it? Loveless is not. I'm pretty sure Kevin Shields took it down because I, I don't know why he did. I, I'm really unsure of it. So no, it's uh, not on there. It definitely isn't because I had to buy the CD and then I had to rip it to my phone. Hmm. But, but I also read, it, I, I read but, something about it having taken about 20 years. It did not take 20 years to make. Was it not released okay. properly a couple, like 2012 or something? All right, so Loveless um, was recorded in about two years. I think they went to about 30 different recording studios. They had about 50 different producers, and it cost about £250,000 to make, which was yeah. a heap of cash, a heap of cash for, an, for an independent label at that time. And what happened was the band, they dropped Loveless. It was basically Kevin Shields, the guy who was behind it. Um, it was his magnum opus, the best thing he ever did. And for like 20 years, he was never able to come out with anything that was tantamount to that album. And so it took, a, it took ages and ages for him to do a follow-up. And when he finally came out with it, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an okay follow-up to Loveless, but Loveless will always be hailed as like one of the, sh- one of the hallmarks, one of the best albums of the 90s. I think Pitchfork gave it the second place on their albums of the 90s with OK, Compu- okay Computer being the first place. So why not choose um, Loveless and why choose Ride? I don't. I, I don't want to answer that question. What? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to answer that question because it will be too much of a hint, and it will give it away. So have you have you given your hint already? I feel like you haven't said too much about Ride's album. I said it was groundbreaking for the time. It was on an independent label. How was it? Quite like a low budget thing. Or, or... Yeah, well, well, they didn't throw as much money as they did it with Loveless because, yeah. well, I guess Loveless was kind of, it was, it was a labour of love. And they put a lot of faith into My Bloody Valentine. Mm. Jay, do you want to take the lead on this one? Yeah, I took, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if, Tom, you've got uh, nothing else you particularly want to say about it? No. Or, okay. or anything else you'd like to say about something else, Tom? It's it's quite a short record. It's about eight songs long, so it's not like your traditional ten to twelve track. But in that space of time, it just has such a different range. And I'd say, in contrast to My Bloody Valentine, uh, Ride were more of a band that focused on melodic harmonies and stuff like that, as opposed to sonic qualities. Because I think the reason why Loveless is so respected and so loved is because it's. It's more of a kind of. It's more to do with the the sound as opposed to the actual music. Yeah, and that and that's you can. The great thing I love about, but there's three albums that are often kind of seen as kind of the trifecta. Yeah, so, so the three best shoegaze albums are Suvlaki, Loveless, and uh, Ride. Ride's nowhere. Suvlaki is Slowdive's album, and the great thing about all three of the albums is they're so vastly different but they're all kind of embodying some form of the shoegaze sound, which is probably why the, they all do something different with it, which is why I've always been so fascinated in the genre, because they're so different that they're kind of, they, you can always tell that you're listening to shoegaze music when you listen to it. Mm. But, but like I said, no, nowhere's more of an album that adheres to melodies as opposed to focusing on sonics. Okay. 
Mr. Panels. Interesting. We've never listened to any shoegaze stuff, I don't think, so I might actually give it a Definitely listen. check it out. Definitely yeah. check it out. Sounds interesting. Uh, so I'm going to sort of guess that all of your links are like independent, low-budget, vaguely groundbreaking things for what they were achieving at the time. I'm trying to think if that's what, that's that's not the that's not the link, but it's is it oh, is it long? No, it's not. No. no. Okay. No. I was going to go along a similar thing, say sort of in indie projects, um, but instead right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to say, oh no, Donnie Darko. When was that released? Two thousand and two thousand one, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I've no idea. Still, I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm I'm gonna confuse you even more when I bring out my book. I'll have to wait for your book. Yeah. Oh dear, I don't feel like I'm gonna get this. Okay. Right. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say I've repeated something twice, and I'm annoyed that you guys haven't picked up on it. I, it was an adjective to describe both of them, and you guys haven't picked up on it. So. Sorry. Need to pay more attention. You're gonna oh, be kicking sorry. yourself. You're gonna sorry, be kicking Mr. yourself. Sorry, Mr. Please don't <laughs> punish don't me. Okay. So. Moving on, because I just babbled for about five minutes. Um, hey, yeah, that's that's the point. That is a podcast. <laughs> point, that is a podcast, yeah. Talking right. shit. Yep, Seth, now it's your turn to talk shit. Happily, thank you very much. My shit, which I'll be talking, is Led Zeppelin 1. Or just Led Zeppelin. Interesting. Okay. Brilliant I album. Really, why, I, never why? Really took, I never really took you for a massive Led Zeppelin fan. Well, I've got the whole... I've got the... Mothership of <laughs> the mothership. I've got the mothership of which is the mothership of Led Zeppelin. Um, Led Zeppelin. We've hit the motherload. The motherload. Yeah. yeah. So why why Led Zeppelin one then, Seth? Because it's, I think it's the best Led Zeppelin out of those um the sort of numbered mothership albums. I mean, it's got Good Times, Bad Times, which is brilliant. Babe, I'm gonna leave you, which is probably my favorite Led Zeppelin song. Dazed and Confused, brilliant. Communication breakdown. And many, many more. How, and it's how many? Just... How many um, titled uh, Led Zeppelin albums came out, sir? What that that aren't just called Led Zeppelin one, two, three, four? Uh, no, no, no. Out, out of that, out of that. It's four, I, isn't it? I think there were just four. Yeah. So that because my I've got four records of the four best bits yeah. of four albums. Yeah. Stairway to Heaven is on number four, isn't it? Yeah. Stairway, yeah. Stairway's in four, and sort of yeah. two and three are sort of just. Sort of go into the background a bit. I don't actually say. It. I'm sure they are good in their own way, but um, there's a bit of controversy surrounding the fourth album. Really, a bit of tri- bit of trivia for you. Um, no, nobody knows why the people call it the fourth album or Led Zeppelin Four because technically it's it's a it's their self-titled album. It was never given. Oh, because Led Zeppelin, their debut Led Zeppelin was just called Led Zeppelin. Then they yeah. had Led Zeppelin Two, then Led Zeppelin Three. So they followed on suits. So they they just assumed that it would be Led Zeppelin four, but actually, it's there's no indication of whether the band even wanted to call it Led Zeppelin four. It was just called it because it's the fourth album. So, oh. quite an interesting one. Similar to the Johnny Cash albums, then, isn't it? Because you've well, got American, American one, American four, and then the other two in the middle, which I skipped for no apparent reason. Yeah, but I didn't. I skipped everything other than four, for both Led Zeppelin and Johnny Cash. Oh, Led Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin and Led Zeppelin, the the sixty nine album, <laughs> is very, <laughs> is very <laughs> good. Do you want to stop like giggling? It it's good. It's very good. Um, 
Jimmy Page, obviously one of the brilliant guitarists of all time. I'd probably he's probably in my top five to be fair. And because of the brilliant sort of musicians that were behind and were Led Zeppelin, the album didn't take long to make at all. It took about they say thirty six hours to make to record, which really? is pretty impressive. Yeah, because they booked thirty six hours of um, studio time and they did it in over sort of two three nights. Wow, very impressive. Yeah. Uh, please, please, me was recorded in less than two days. So. It was. There's been a lot of quickly. Re- Nick Drake's Pink Moon was about two, two evenings worth of work. Yeah. How'd you know that? Read it online. I didn't even know that. That's actually very interesting. But there I mean, go. if you, I was, I was actually listening to. We keep sidetracking, but I guess it is a podcast. So oh, it's just inevitable. Don't worry about yes. sidetracking. Yeah, sidetrack as much as you want, please. Sidetracking. But, we usually find better stuff sidetracking than we do. Yeah. Tracking. Uh, again, another phenomenally great album. Definitely in my top ten. Nick Drake's Pink Moon is just so ethereal. I think ethereal is the right word to describe it because it feels. It, I, I was listening to it the other day because I've got it on vinyl. And it's like, it's kind of, a, I had like this out of body experience because it was, it was literally just, it, it's an album which takes you to some different way, like different world. I mean, that, that probably sounds really overdramatic, but it is really such a great record. And, but it's essentially just Nick Drake and an acoustic guitar. And I think there's only ever piano on the first track, Pink Moon, and that's it. The whole mm-hmm. of the album is just a guy and an acoustic guitar. But the fact that it just takes you somewhere else is just, I mean, it's incomprehensible, I think. But I do Where? absolutely love it. Tell, tell you what, fun fact, uh, vinyl oh. fact, because me as a record collector, I know quite a lot of yeah. record trivia. Um, Led Zeppelin's first album, basically the original first pressing, first issue, was basically obviously the Zeppelin, but it had like a blue turquoise colouring for the Led Zeppelin. And basically, these are incredibly sought out records. I mean, collectors go mental for them. And it's because they are, so, they are so scarce, right? And if mm. you can get one with the, with the blue title, which is in good shape, and the record's in great condition as well, you're looking at about £2,000 worth of record. I've actually got one of those. No, you don't. I use it as a, as a, as a doormat on the way yeah. in. Sort of wipe my Brilliant. feet on it. and Brilliant. Yeah. But yeah, just come to show again. You, you get Led Zeppelin has its own category for insane fans, and people pay yeah. that much. Similar to the Beatles, I mean, people will pay a lot of money just to have that bit of kind of memorabilia. Well, they're very good Led Zeppelin. I mean, they're sort of they started out a bit bluesy, which I really liked. Sort of, you got a lot of great Led Zeppelin blues songs, and then they went to sort of blues rock and roll, and then rock. They are rock and roll staples, really. I'd, well, not rock and roll, rock staples. I would say. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I, I've never been a huge blues fan, but with rock bands that take that go down the blues route at some point in their career, I've always been heavily invested and interested in it. Like especially mm. like the Doors are a great example because they yeah. they came out with two Doors sounding albums and then they released a couple duds and then they kept their final album LA Woman that dropped and it's just it's a blues fest but it's so so good. Same with Jimi Hendrix experience. They got bluesy. Fleetwood Mac started out bluesy. And I've always uh, the original Fleetwood Mac. The thing about Jimi Hendrix experiences, I think they... Obviously, you've got the first album, which was essentially a compilation album of singles and stuff like that, but it, it is technically an album. 
which is very good, which is does sound like Jimi Hendrix. And you've got Axis Bold as well, which is very, very good. But that is very experimental, uh, both to its uh, success and the, it's, it's, I don't think it gets enough hype because Axis Bold as Love is kind of, it's, it's the anomaly where it doesn't sound like it's a Jimi Hendrix record, but it doesn't sound like it's a Jimi Hendrix bluesy record like Electric Ladyland. But it's always been my favourite Axis Bold as well. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Again, another another album to listen to, Access Boulders Love. And um, Red Hot Chili Peppers covered Castles Made of Sand in their, yeah. well, it was, it was a bonus track in Blood, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, so. A very bluesy track in of itself. Uh, yeah. Jay and Tom, now is, mm-hmm. it's crunch time, alright? Oh, shit. We set up your link to guess. I know, but brilliant. Uh, this is why I like having Tom on. He goes, he sort of goes for a bit. Yeah, and then we yeah. come back to it when you forget what back. I have to say about it. We ring it back. Usually, Dan Elston gets very, very frustrated when that happens because <laughs> you're just like Tom. You've ju- you just went on about something for the past ten minutes. Is is that why you're doing it so much today? Because you, you sort of have, yeah, uh, your handcuffs I, I are like off. The, yeah, free yeah. reign, free reign yeah. to say whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Uh, oh, gee, uh, right now I ha- now we have to guess Seth's link. So you have. Before the before trilogy, which was made across the span of like twenty years and is very naturalistic and yeah, three films, yeah, and vaguely soppy and very good, and then you get the Led Zeppelin stuff, which was made in a very very short span of time. But more stuff. No, well, no, sorry. No. Well, one no, more. Forget album. what I just said. Yeah. Is it not obvious at all? It's just quite general, unfortunately. It's quite a general sort of link. Hmm. And it's only general because I wanted to choose picks that I actually liked instead of going out of my way to choose picks that I didn't know much about. Yeah, I did the same for mine as well today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see, I don't know. Jay, what do you think? You can't just keep passing the ball back and okay, forth. Okay, right. I'm just going to say that all of these projects were completed in a notable amount of time. Yeah, I'll take that. I was going to guess that. I was actually going to... I was going to... Tom, what? look at me in the eye through your screen, which you can't see. And Oh, he's turned the screen on for this. Look at me in the eye. Were you going to say that? I was, I'll tell you exactly what I was going to say, sir. I was oh, going okay. to say, um, I was going to say that they were done, uh, they were done, it's something, something related to time, relative to time. But <laughs> relative not... to time. Bit of sci-fi, Tom, hey? <laughs> Timey-wimey? Yeah, no, that Brilliant. was actually, that. I would have accepted that as well, so you may both have two points each. Hey! Okay. Good work, us. Good work, Good morning, top job. See, I was going so, to choose... I was going to choose projects that took a lot, a long amount of time, but I couldn't find an album that I especially liked that was recorded over a vast amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So well, sorry you, about that. You could, you could have um, picked. Uh, Pink Floyd would have been a pretty good example. Yeah, I was looking at Division Bell. I could have picked that, but I don't know. I don't listen to it enough to be able to. Talk and then about it confidently, my bloody Valentine would have been a great pick. Yeah, but I thought you might pick that. Which it, no. which it almost did. 
almost. Uh, but yeah, pre- pretty good, pretty good yeah. connection. I like it. Thanks, guys. I thought. And I'm looking. Uh, 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 shall we try and guess his book? Yeah, we'll, you can we'll, try and guess. We'll, we'll, do the, we'll do that when yeah. we get round to the books. And I'll give you enough to okay, go cool. on about it because you could you could easily guess it. But for now, Jay, let's hear your album. If it's Jacob Collier, I'm going to slap you around the face. It's not Jacob Collier. It is okay. the album by Auntie Donna. Auntie Donna? <laughs> Auntie Donna? Jay, this better not be you self-promoting one of your sort of relatives or something and this is released <laughs> an album and you feel obliged to sort of recommend it on the podcast. Okay, so have, have either of you ever heard of Auntie Donna? No. Okay, right. So uh, My <laughs> guess is is a 50s folk singer from the US. <laughs> yeah. No. No, That's what they, it sounds like to me. They are <laughs> with dungarees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, they are three twenty like seven year old Australian comedians. They're a sketch yeah. comedy group who decided to make who decided to make an album of comedy songs um that they have recorded and like over oh, that sketch comedy like they've been about for about six to seven years. So similar um, to Flight of the Concord who sort of comedy bands. Yeah. They um they are similar, but they're ve- they're oh, very, oh, I- very weird. I've got a guess. I-, I think I know what it is. Really? Okay. Yeah, you are they go. example are, are they examples of projects where uh the artist or subject matter is just taking the piss of it. It's just all a bit of a laugh. It's it's a bit far fetched comedy extra I- the the extremes of comedy. I will accept that. My what I was going for generally was they are all in the realms of absurd. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. My, Extre- my was, extremely, you know, yeah. over the top humor. I will say I was going to say ridiculous comedy is my guess. Would I have got some in there? Yeah, go on then. Yeah, oh, but you both get get two points there. Yeah, Auntie, Auntie Donna's really interesting. <laughs> they're re- they're really weird. So, um, some of the the notable ones from the album. My favorite is the Chuffed Dad song, which is basically, which is basically <laughs> someone pretending to be a dad and listing all of the things that make him chuffed. Sounds um, great. There there is, is a. There is a One 35 album. second, hang on, there's a 35 second track called I Can't Hear It On My Left Ear and it plays solely in the right ear. Where it, I, can't, oh, I can't hear out of my left ear. Oh, it, yeah, it's very, very absurd. I recommend it a lot. Quite funny. There's, a, there's the theme from Friends where they do the, where the, literally the whole joke is instead of a short clap, they just clap for 30 seconds. <laughs> That is not good. I might actually give that a listen. So, is it just a one album that they've done, sort of as a one-off? Yeah, uh, they That's did quite, it a couple of years ago, nice. but they they're a sketch comedy group, so that they mainly do sketch comedy. Yeah, and they just just they just decided that they do a few comedy songs, and they're like all that. very very good, <laughs> very interesting. I like I like comedy songs. I feel like there's a bit of a gap gap in the market for comedy songs because yeah, it's, it can it can be as funny as watching a comedy film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like listening to funny music yeah. or reading a funny book. I feel like it, it's not done enough. But th- there's a lot to go on with, with comedy songs. Yeah, I think you're right. Easy easy to go wrong as well. 
They're, yeah, they're very easy to get. They've got to be very well written. Yeah, I'd, I'd say a great example of uh, a, a parrot, well, kind of a parody album is when uh, the, uh, I think it's called The Nostalgia Critic did his own version of the Pink Floyd album, The Wall. And basically, it is genuinely one of the most, like, it's not, it's not even funny. It's genuinely god awful. It's terrible. <laughs> And it's just, he, his comedy is just so, it's not even, it's not even Ricky Gervais cringeworthy goodness. Mm. It's just, it's cringeworthy, but it's for all the wrong reasons. It's genuinely so bad. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's a good example of someone trying to make a parody album based mm. on another album. So he's got substance to work with, but just no direction. And it's very nitpicky. So he's like, he's like making jokes about one of, The Wall is like one of the best albums ever made. And he's pointing fun at it, and he's both pissing people off and making himself look like a tit. So okay. I'm always reminded of Tenacious D whenever we go comedy rock bands. I think they were actually quite good. Yeah, I'm guessing you've listened to a fair amount of Tenacious D. Nope. You haven't. I thought being see, I thought that would have been a Sollywood influence coming in from you. No, no, I haven't. I haven't listened no. to it at all. I probably will at some point, but I yeah, just they sort of never really get around to staples. it. Yeah. Well, we've guessed. Two out of the three links. The only one to guess now is Tom's. But yeah, mm-hmm. are, are we coming back to Tom now? We are. are We're coming back yeah. to Tom now with his coming book. back to me. Seth, you can probably guess it. It is my favourite book of all time. So this has been for like two years. Mm. It's Watership Down, isn't it? It's definitely Watership Down. Yeah. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Richard, Richard Adams, the most blissful and I don't. I, it, Okay, I'm going to use this word. It's ineffable. That's what that's what the mm-hmm. book is because you can't really describe what it's like until you've actually read it. And I think I did a lot more thinking. Like I think it, it, in itself, it, it doesn't come across as an album where you'd you'd be inward looking because it's about rabbits. But I think there's a lot of introspection involved within the album's context, within the album, within the book's context, <laughs> where you learn a lot about friendship. You learn a lot about the yeah. trials of friendship. So, yeah. You learn a lot about rabbits, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you, you do learn yeah, a lot yeah. about kind of, you know, how oh, they yes. live. Yeah. And he yeah. creates this whole, um, this whole mythology around, around yeah. rabbits, and it's brilliant. He didn't have it to is. do that, but he did it Excellent. anyway, and it's brilliant. Yeah. And he includes all of sort of their profits, their profits, um, parables. You go. Yeah, a couple of references to uh, the Nazis and everything in there as well. But yeah, Rafa yeah. being kind of like a... The um, Gestapo, Gestapo, which I always really liked, yeah. Apparently unintentional, according to Adams, but... I reckon it probably was un- unintentional, but it's easy for people to draw the line. Yeah. I mean, pretty much they've been drawing the line since Animal Farm came out, so... <laughs> people will read too much into anything nowadays, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. What's this about? Jay, um, have you read it? No. Oh. Have you consumed any Watership Down in any form? Do you know the Art Garfunkel song? Bright eyes, yeah. yeah. yeah bright, bright eyes. That, that's Great. it. That's Great literally. song. Yeah, it's a good Have you song, watched yeah. the music video for that? That is one of the most beautiful moments in the film with this sort of... Yeah. Very, it's yeah. very artsy. Yeah. Be- Becca, our friend Becca, she didn't approve her. She didn't like oh, the film. No, no, no. Not a fan. But um, anyway, okay, so uh, I forgot to mention this. All of the picks that I've chosen today are things where you don't need to have any context or conception of the album, film, or book. Anyway, it's it's like I said, it's to do with the you know, the context of how it was made, and that type of thing. So, 
I'm going to be. Oh. I'm going to. I'm going to give off another hint. Oh, yeah. All of these were done by one creative. Well, kind of one creative force. So in Rides Nowhere, it was probably Andy Bell. I'd say he was a huge part of Nowhere. And then obviously Richard Adams. He he wrote the book, and with the film, obviously, I'm forgetting his name now. But yeah, he was the creative individual that was all of his idea. So that was another hint. Seth, you go first. Do I have to go first? Oh, yeah. oh one more time. Groundbreaking. I did say groundbreaking when I guessed your last thing, but I guess that. Oh shit! Oh no, I don't know. Seth, you go. <laughs> Seth, bloody go. Is it um about um <laughs> an individual's vision that becomes groundbreaking? You're on the right lines. Can I have lukewarm? You can have half, yeah. Oh, thank you very much. That's very generous. Sh- shall, shall I just say what it is now? Jay, do you have what, any ideas? Sid Jay can refine what I said. Yeah. Like rock uh, to diamond. Come on, Jay. Where's the diamond? Bring it out. <laughs> I think he's, gone, it, I think he's indiv- fallen asleep. Honestly. An individual with a, a, a very clear vision does something groundbreaking with the medium with which they are working. Well, I'm going to give you both half a point and I'm going to announce what my link is. Right? Please do. Okay, so the link is these are all projects that the band individual artist made and were never able to make anything that was tantamount to it. So it was so oh. groundbreaking that they were, they were never able to make anything as good. And they were all oh, debuts right. as well. So, but that wasn't the, the, the link wasn't that they were all debuts, but they were all debuts. Richard Adams only ever really made short stories, but was always hailed for being the guy who made Watership Down, and that was the best thing yeah. ever did. Nowhere by Rise. They made a few other okay albums, but nothing was ever good as Nowhere. And obviously, Donnie Darko. He never made another good film. That was the only good film he ever made. I got that. That is a very good link. And it's annoying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I genuinely thought it was quite easy. I thought you guys would have really, really difficult links, but I guess not. No, no. No, no, I thought of that one really quickly, so. Lovely. Right. (laughs) Well done, well done, Tom. That was that was a very good link. Moving on, now then, Seth, your book. Right. So obviously, this is a book not written in a short space of time, a fairly long space of time. I think over the span of twenty years. Well, th- that's quite misleading. This is a book that was started being told um, by the author to sort of he, he told stories to his um, to his nieces and daughters and maybe not daughters, but his his young relatives who told them stories and um one of them said he should write that down and he didn't know he could write oh, until no, he this. came out with this, this. until he this. came out with this book um i mean we, it's it's a brilliant book i know we it's already know willows. that it's is, is it wind in the willows no 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 oh, no. no um so we've we've already winnie, established winnie the we've, winnie already the established, we've already established that it's not tolkien yeah, no, it's not Tolkien. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's not Tolkien, uh, and it's not. Or, oh, I've, no. I've got it here. I've got it here. So that the story began as tales told to his young daughters Juliet and Rosamond during long car journeys. And he began telling the story of what the story was about, and he improvised it off the top of his head as they were driving along. They told him to write it down, and twenty odd years later, 
you get one of mine and Tom's favourite books of all time. Oh, bloody Oh, hell. is it um, Picture of Dorian Gray? No. Cut it, wait, did you say is Car Oscar? Journeys? I'm enjoying this so much. Yeah, right. Car Journeys. So if it's through Hampshire. Through Hampshire? Yeah. Is it Wash it's... It Down? Yeah, it's Wash It Down. Oh, for God's oh are you... <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, well, that was that's pretty good, good right? Yeah. That's the amount of restraint I had to control to not blur out when Tom said, watch it down, you cunt. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I never realised it was one of your favourites. Well, probably my top five, yeah. It's really a like very it. good book. It is really yeah. good. Well, we already fucking talked about it, so I don't have yeah. that much to say about it, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Oh. <laughs> so on that bombshell, Jay Pendles, would you like to reveal to us your book? Oh, no, you wouldn't like to reveal to us your book, actually. Well, you'd like to describe it. Or play. First of all, I will say it is a play. Of course it fucking is. Because I don't read many books. And we, we established this at the very, very beginning. So it is a play. It was written in the mid-1960s. It follows a Shakespearean-esque tale. Oh, fucking hell. Here so, it is. Here it is. Yeah, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Yes! Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Finally. It's, <laughs> it ha- it it's w- happened. It's happened. I, ha- I took a long time to pick it. You did. You've done well to not pick it before today. Talk about Rosencrantz now. Yes. Rose- what, Rosencrantz specifically or Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead? Both. Okay, so Rosencrantz is quite stupid. <laughs> but Guildenstern is the sort of... Rosencrantz is sort of a bit dopey doesn't really know what's going on at any point in time and is vaguely okay with that. And Guildenstern has absolutely no idea what's going on at any point in time and desperately wants to know and tries to sound intellectual as a way of making himself think that he knows what's going on. He has no idea what's going on. I mean, he pretty much represents the audience because a lot of the, most of it, the audience is going, ah, oh yeah, that's what's going on. I mean, for, for for what they are in Hamlet as well, they represent the, sort of yeah. what, the, the calm, vaguely compassionate audience going, mate, please, just calm down. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. take a seat, take a breath. We're just going to talk it out and it's going to be fine. And then they get, they get on a boat and they go to England with him and then they get killed. Yeah, I cut out for a second. Did you explain the premise to Tom? What, of Rosencrantz and Guildenstern? Yeah. Okay. So it, we, we, it, Tom will find it very interesting. It's, it's, it is very cool. So Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are minor characters in Hamlet who are brought to uh, the castle to help um, Hamlet in, in his recovery and in his grievance of his father's death. Right. And what they... Um, <laughs> and they are very... It's a tradition in Shakespeare um, to not really know which one is Rosencrantz and which one is Guildenstern at any given moment whilst performing Hamlet because it doesn't particularly matter. Surely that must be a little bit confusing, though. Yes, it is. And it's a running joke within Shakespearean actors. Um, And it doesn't really matter because they're in about three scenes of the play and then towards okay. the end, we just we just hear about the fact that they've been killed in England. Right. Um, 
and it's about them. Uh, so Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, follows them uh, from the start of their journey to, to the end in a three-act play. And... Mo- so it's all- kind of like, is it like a spin-off of Hamlet then? It, yes, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Okay. And it's done in very naturalistic language, so not Shakespearean language, okay. unless they are talking to other characters who were actively involved in the main story of Hamlet. So if they're talking to Hamlet, if they're talking to one of the central characters from Hamlet, they will talk in Shakespearean language. But the, that is that is written almost as though they it has been taken directly from the play, which sometimes it has, but sometimes it hasn't. Um, most the most interesting thing for me about about that play is that you've got these two characters, but they're very they're stuck in the narrative. Yeah, that that they've been written as, so they can't escape from. It's it's like they're predestined, you know. It's it's their destiny. They have to yeah. do this at this time, and they have to do this at this time. And they can't escape this, and it's sort of they're in a sort of loop, aren't they? They're in but, a sort of limbo. Yeah, and and in all the points where they're not f- fulfilling the destiny of Hamlet, they're just sort of stuck in a weird sort of limbo place where yeah. they can't really do anything at all. That means anything because otherwise they'll disrupt Hamlet. Yeah, they're they're yeah. Ju- they they can't make their own life decisions. Yeah, they're very much. Stuck in a sort of place where, right? So uh, in half an hour, we have to do this thing, but until then, we have to not do anything. Yeah. So yes. should we just stand here and flip a coin? Yeah, let's yeah. just stand here and flip a coin. Which, <laughs> which is great. It's it's my favourite play. I I would, Guildenstead is my favourite character ever, because the in in the play, they are actually, um, given personalities as well mm. so you're able to differentiate between them for the first time great monologues as well yeah my a-level Your drama one. monologue um was taken from Guildenstern. i liked it very much and they've also got the more famous one i didn't realize is the uh, dead in a box one isn't it dead in the box um there's a rosencrantz one towards the end i believe and the dead in the box I've seen Benedict Cumberbatch perform it at the National Theatre on YouTube, and it's very good. Okay, yeah, that was probably in the second act, I think. The yeah. um, the the, the my favourite ones are from the first act, because mm. they're very much the musings on probability and uh, perception. So there's also one about um, the existence of a unicorn, and so one person sees a unicorn, and that's that's cool. The second person sees a they also sees a unicorn. They go, oh. Look, is that a unicorn? Yeah, I think that's a unicorn. You get a third person. Well, so the second person adds like another dimension of perception. Yeah. So you get one one layer of, oh, I've seen this thing. Oh, he's seen this thing to back me up. And you get yeah. a third person, which instead of backing you up or adding another dimension, just sp- sort of spreads it thinner. You add more and more and more people. You just go, oh, look, it's a horse that someone mistook for a deer because it's got an arrow through its head. Oh, I get another point for guessing your um, book. That's nice. Yeah. I'm not giving you two points for guessing my book because you didn't really. Because we, I didn't. No. So I'm a three and a half. You're you're more than that. Are you? Oh. Cool. Well, you guessed know. you guessed mine on two, and you revisited future nostalgia. Yeah, that's true. Three. You got 
Tom uh, gave me half of his. Half for his. So that's three and, three and a half. Plus that one. Plus that one. So you're on four and a half. Tom, what are you on? Have you been uh, keeping tally? I think Tom guessed both our links. Oh. And then... You got Watership down as well, didn't you? Yeah. I'll give him half of that because I spoon-fed that. Okay. So Tom's on four and a half. <laughs> Seth, you're on four and a half. And I am on two. Oh. So now me and Tom have to, what? Fight? To the death? I mean, you don't have to if you don't want to. Well, I, I don't mind. Tom, Tom are you up for you? that? I don't know if Tom's actually here. I, I'm still here. I can confirm my presence. Okay. Um, just taking it all in. I know. Pretty high, high it all in, yeah. off, mate. Yeah. I know. Um, I'm just going to say, I don't mind being even Stevens with Seth. It, it usually happens. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with how I've done. I'm sure Seth's happy with how he's done. You know? You, you both put in very, very um, good performances. Oh, thank you. Say. You both done very well. It was a very Tom, good he, link, Tom. He sounds like Charlie Perry. Last yeah, night. thanks. Oh, yeah. You both put in very good performances. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like I'm missing some out. context. Edit that out. <laughs> okay. There's no context needed. No context needed. No? No. Okay. But I, always, I always perform well. I always pride I, myself on my... I feel my... like this is in reference to eating a pizza now. Oh, the pizza was nice. Wasn't it? It was all right. It was all right. Oh. <laughs> I love how uh, we are now using pizza as a euphemism. Much like um, Pizzagate. Uh, yeah, Pizzagate. <laughs> oh, no, uh, don't tell me we've got to explain Pizzagate to Jay as well. So much. <laughs> I feel like we're, we're, we are the ones spreading this conspiracy between us. We are, we are the conspiracy holders. Did, do, do did you we know, actually do you start know? this conspiracy? I can't remember. I think we might have Probably. done. Okay, right, explain Pizzagate. <laughs> um, Tom, do you want to take this? Take this? <laughs> I can take over, but Seth can correct anything I say or just up. add to it. Uh, basically, Pizzagate is uh, people like um, I'm forgetting his name. Seth, what's his name? What Je- Jeffrey his name? Epstein. The guy. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Th- thank you. Because okay, so basically, people like Jeffrey Epstein, people, elitists, people high up, who are, have so much power that they can obviously, you know, obscure you know, the general perception. of They can get away with pretty much anything they want pretty much. And um, the whole Pizzagate thing is people who are involved in this ring of friends that Jeffrey Epstein, people friends. like that had. You make it sound a lot more, a lot more friendly than it is, Tom. Well, well, yeah, but they are. People like uh, Prince Andrew, they were friends of Jeffrey Epstein. And yeah, obviously yeah. There's, there's speculation to whether they were involved. Obviously, obviously they, they most likely were because there's no smoke without fire. But the whole Pizzagate thing is uh, it's a code word the club essentially for, if i if for, i'm correct yeah for child porn so uh, in yeah. lots of these people's emails people hire oh, not 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 just child porn but whatever other things happen because uh, we don't know we could just be scraping the surfaces of what could be yeah. huge you know for some reason i feel like this is from brass eye i don't know what brass eye is is it like buzzfeed no it was a tv program in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> Wait, somehow, I, somehow I recognise the name. I don't know why. It's um, uh, oh, what's his name? Chris something. He directed um, 
Uh, four lines. Three lines, even. Oh, three lines. That's the one about the um, terrorist, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, that that's the comedy one about the terrorist. Yeah. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I like how the phrase, the comedy one about the terrorist. It sounds terrible, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, no. Three lines is... Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, it's all gone wrong. I've just typed in three lines into Google. I think it is four up. lines. Yeah, I, I thought it was four lines, because three lines is the yeah. Neil Skinner song. I definitely think it's four lines. Yeah, it's four lines. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was I rather... I, I don't remember... The, the thing was, I remember watching Chris it Morris. and expect, expecting it to be, you know, outwardly hilarious, but it it took a really dark turn at the end. Well, I know one of them re- blow the, I know one of them blows himself up in a field. Yeah, I think yeah, I remember that bit. And then it's just quite. A, it's not funny, Seth. It's actually. <laughs> it's really bit, funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, like the... he falls over and blows up a oh, yeah. brick wall. Yeah, because yeah, because no, 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 like I, I'm pretty sure two of them die. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of them dies because they just blow up in there because they're wearing like because there's like a marathon. And they're in like a chicken suit and they end up falling over and then they blow up and then there's feathers everywhere. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually funny, but uh sound good. I again, will watch that. Uh, okay. I'm gonna say a film of the week that I'm gonna recommend. Is that okay? Oh, Can we do this? Yeah, please That's do. Yeah. Uh it's a film that I keep imploring Seth to watch. Oh it's yeah. called Happy Go Lucky. It's Mike Lee's, arguably Mike Lee's happiest film. He's known for being a, a filmmaker that makes quite, you know, gritty work, uh, gritty films about working class people. But this is actually quite an upbeat dance. And it stars, um, she escaped my mind. Sally Hawkins. You always forget Sally. Sally Hawkins, who is phenomenal in it. She's so Me and good. Jay like Sally, don't we? She's great. She's, um, the, um, if, uh, would I be right in saying that she's the mother from Paddington? Yes. 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 And okay, she's also yeah, she's in The Shape of Water and she's in Submarine. She's in a lot of great stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Very likable. Yeah. Very um, cool. Hopefully not part of Pizzagate. We, we can not. only hope. We can only we hope. Can, <laughs> we can only hope. You never know. Everyone's getting dragged in. It's like oh, a big God. black hole. Yeah, it's just a void of just, you yeah. know, the worst of the worst. I'm just libel. There was actually, oh. actually, I'm pretty sure someone has said something libelous, which... Oh. Hold on, if we talk about Pizzagate, maybe they'll take the podcast down, the powers that be. And then yeah. that'll be conclusive evidence. We, YouTube and Facebook and all them, they're in court currently. And I don't really think that's... I think there's something deep-rooted about that. I don't think it's as simple as everyone's saying, oh, these people are powerful. Yeah. I think, I it's, feel like... I think, it's, I think it's a lot more involved than just that. If they're just okay, being I'll... taken to court for just being having this great power. Obviously... The Oxford Analytica thing. That's that's another fact. Cambridge Analytica. Cambridge Analytica, sorry. Um, easy mistake. Um, I think the whole with the whole Pizzagate thing, I think there could be a connection there. Did you just accuse it, YouTube of being part of Pizzagate? Well the uh, the powers that control it. Possibly. Yeah. Alleged. Could, all of these are all conspiracy theories we're just just going to say on the record (laughs) that these are all spurious claims with no backing and I don't want to get done for libel even if it is unlikely but it is possible 
they've literally got no money to take from me so please try it try your very best but you I mean, can't can... take what it'll, I don't have. I mean, if it if it if it will if it will come to anything, it will come to a cease and desist, and we will just cease and desist. Um, right. Well, um, now we've finished our mumbo jumbo chatty watty stuff. Ch- chatty watty. Tom, have you got any final comments to say? You've given us your pick of the week. You've given us a lot more than that. You sent me your pick of the day this morning. Thank you for that. Well, that was that yeah, was a lovely well, yeah, surprise. Very yeah, palatable. Like we like we kicked it off um, today. Really great album from Fontaine's DC. Um, yeah. Because I listened to it its entirety, and it just—I've already ordered it on vinyl because I just love it that much. And I, th- I think you—I think a, gr- a great example of an album which is amazing is you instantly love it because you get albums that grow on you. You get albums that uh, you somewhat like moderately, but then you get records that you just listen to for the first time, and it's just instantly, you know, a classic to you. Mm. And I think that's a great. Um, a hero's death is a great representation of that, and very different from their debut album. Uh, I think it's. I can't remember what it's called, but the, their debut record, it's very solid. But it's very post-punky. It's a. It's it's a much more energetic. Um, how can I explain this? It's it, it's a, it's much more upbeat than a hero's death. A hero's death is very very moody, and quite, quite heavy. So I wouldn't I wouldn't listen to it in a. I wouldn't listen to it with the intention of being putting, putting yourself in a happy mood. So that's just another thing. Listen, well, listen to it by listen to it by yourself. Light a candle. <laughs> open a can of cider. Yeah. Some really, some really like a really strong cider, like a eight percent cider. This is, like, this is too oddly Spe- specific. This is so. very specific <laughs> now. <laughs> Undo your belt. Light, yeah. light a candle. <laughs> get an eight percent cider and be on your own and in a sad mood. <laughs> with a box and of then... tissues within reach <laughs> not for the tears <laughs> <laughs> well, multi-purpose tissues yeah. uh, which technically all tissues are anyway so you don't, you don't do, need to market them as multi-purpose do we have any album suggestions for the week no I don't think no nothing nothing from me either really what except... about Sukkum what about Sukkum mummy? Yeah, Soccer Mum. Well, that's yeah, Soccer Mummy's most recent album is so far my favorite album of the year. But I'm open to change after listening to Content DC. See what that's like. Yeah. Um, I think you'll like it, and I think but, you'll yeah. especially like the track. Um, I think it's like something called Bring On Spring or something. You'll love that track. That does sound like, that does it. sound like a bit of me, doesn't it? Yeah. Bring On Spring. But it's oh. it's one of the st- it's one of the standouts on the album where it's it's probably the most upbeat song so prepare to be sad for the majority of the time and then that song comes on and that's back back to wanking and drinking your cider i'm always prepared to be sad don't worry tom i know you are. i'm glad we finally dropped the the not quite talking about things and they're just going no drink cider and have a wank <laughs> it's got to that point yeah. now i think yeah, it seems like a good be. a good time to a I good like, time to draw this to a close. I feel I like it's yeah. it's midday and we're all tired. It's midday and I'm still in my dressing gown and I've got sweaty balls. So yeah, it'll be nice. I've, got, I've always got sweaty balls. It's terrible. It's, it's midday. It's midday and I feel like this is the most I've done all over lockdown. <laughs> this has been. Probably. It does take it out of you, doesn't it, Tom? It does take it, does, it out yeah. of you. It does really take it out of you, doesn't it? it does, doing yeah. this, oh, doing just, that thing. I, Oh, really I, I suppose mo- mo- most most successful podcasts, like the people doing it, must be really like you know mentally stipulated, stimulated 
by doing podcasts because you just talk like a lot. It depends on the sort of podcasts that you do because you know you know you get people like Joe Rogan's sort of thing where they go for mm. about like two two sometimes like three hours of just talking about stuff and it's quite overarching and that's very it's very good it's very well done and then you get some stupid like stuff like this yeah which is just about an hour of utter nonsense yeah nonsense innuendos and jay stifling his burps is essentially what this is yeah that's another good name for the podcast um right well on jay would you like to give a final burp as a sort of goodbye that wasn't a goodbye that was just me burping on command oh well there's a skill that we all wish we had i actually can't burp on demand funnily enough I'd say I'm more of a farter than a burper. I enjoy a good fart. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there was a time for signing off and we missed it by about five <laughs> minutes. No, I think I think we I think we need to like follow yeah. this path. So what sort of farts are you, do you like, Tom? Do you like the oh. long ones or just the long ones? Smelly ones for Tom, definitely. <laughs> they are very, very Are you a, oh, are you a smelly boy? Oh that's they're not good, are they, mate? Okay. I think that there are three things to there's three factors to an essential we're, a great we're fart, running out right? of time fucking <laughs> <man. Yeah. laughs> amazing the first one is obviously the volume how loud is your fart do you want people to know how loud it is typically when I'm with people like Seth and you need to if you can if you can do one of these farts around one of your closest mates that's like another level of friendship right that's like a that's a, yeah. that's <laughs> That's like one-sided something. friendship. I don't think I feel yeah. much friendship coming my way. <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. The second, the second factor is kind of it's, it's the smell. I mean, I think smell's important. It's um, certainly if, important. If you, get a, if you can get a good pong that doesn't last any more than two minutes. Mm. See, I think. The, give me the noise above the smell any day. Do you know what I mean? I'm not sitting there in Tom's sinew. I tell you what, though, on average, you do get far, the louder farts smell the smell the uh, the best. Well, not smell the best, but they don't smell. They as smell bad. the least. Yeah, they, they smell the least. But then you get the ones that are just like you know like can't so, even hear it, which silent, are genuinely deadly. Yeah, the phrase silent, silent but deadly, deadly comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That definitely derives from that. The, there's a sense of pleasure in those, especially if you're just like standing in the lift, and especially if you can then blame someone else. Yeah. Yeah, that, if, 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 is... if you're like standing next to like your your six year old cousin, yeah. you just go, yeah. "Bloody hell, Harry! <laughs> yeah. How dare you? Yeah. Should be ashamed so Tom, what, of yourself." Tom, what's the third horseman of the farting apocalypse? Well, obviously, this is just this is something I don't recommend happening, but something oh. that can happen when oh, you have no. a fart. Yeah, and sometimes it hasn't happened to me yet. Well, thanks for clarifying that. But uh, when you when you try. <laughs> A bit too hard. <laughs> <laughs> you could potentially, you know, go go beyond the farts and into yeah. into the the zone of the of the shit. So, so yeah. we, should, let's just say it outright: when you when when your fart is not a fart but a shit. Yeah. When your fart starts st- starts like a great fart, it's it's a solid gold fart. But then it goes into the follow through, and it's yeah. just there's there's no turning <laughs> into back. The follow through, yeah. There's uh, no hiding it either, is there? There's no, there's no hiding there's, it. There's the interesting experience as well, which I haven't had in in a, in a long time. But I do remember 
uh, Craig Davies once talking about this, which is the clapback. You'll have to. Which is, which is where you do a fart so powerful that your ass cheeks spread, and then when they rejoin, they clap together. Can't say I've ever experienced that. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. You have, to have, think some, you have to have some real power for that. Yeah, you, yeah well, you're, you're going to want to have had like a full-on curry for that one. Well, the th- my cheeks are still a bit numb from um, Friday night, unfortunately. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure, you know, I have a very nice bum. So I'm sure that I, I could feel <laughs> so a clap you're back. sure you have a very nice bum? It has been, it has been complimented a lot. You know, it? It's one of my proudest features. So they say they say you got a great rear end, you know? And I say thank you, Mum. I really <laughs> it's because we that. always like to see the back of you. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh it, you almost look sound like you've been offended. No, I I haven't been <clears throat> Right, before uh... one of us dies, is there something that we can't go back from? Um <laughs> We've already said so many things. Yeah. I know. I'm so, just... Some of which are quite irrevocable, especially the uh, pizza get ones, yeah. which we... definitely will be cut. Not going to make the edit. What, what's going to be cut? Uh, the pizza gate stuff, most likely. Oh, do, we, do you Tom's... actually want me to cut pizza gate? No, I want to see if it's real if it gets taken down. Tom, do something, do something, um, say something really, really offensive right now, and Joe will cut it out. Um, you uh, see, see what, what, why is yeah, it? Why I is it? That. Why is it even? I I don't like the whole PizzaGate thing. I think a better name for it be, would be. I'm literally just thinking out loud here. I'm looking at stuff. Hair dryer shoebox. <laughs> see, that's a much better name. Hair dryer shoebox. Possibly a bit difficult to slip into conversation though. <laughs> if you are a member of Hair dryer shoebox, you will have a lot of trouble, <laughs> and it will be very a, conspicuous. It's when got you it's use... got a ring to it. It's got a ring to it though. It's kind of like a, a heavy metal band from the eighties. So I would say, dear Hillary, I am yeah. off hair to. Box. I'm off to use a hair my hair dryer, and buy some new shoes from a shoe box. No, I, quite... I, f- I found a I found a new container for my hair dryer, and it's a shoe box. Yeah, that would be a good one. You know, like people people who, it's it's just a euphemism for the for the t- for the sort of people who keep their hair dryers in a shoe box. I think the whole band thing's a better idea because you, that could be slipped into conversation. You'd be like, oh, have you heard the new um, song from Hair Dry Shoebox? You want to come around my house and listen to it? That would be such a great code. Oh, yeah. Listen, listen, come, you can, yeah, come around to my house. I've got some Hair Dry Shoebox on vinyl. Yeah, but then you'd, you'd, have to, you'd have to actually make a band called Hair Dry Shoebox. And that's probably where we'd come in. I think they'd approach us and say, yeah, sure, sure. a dreadful band that no one wants to listen to, so they won't yeah. check it out. Yeah. It won't be of it will get lost amidst the sort of we'll be like warm of Spotify we, singles. We could we could call ourselves like pre trunk <laughs> as opposed to post punk. Yeah. Yeah. That's a nice name. I like the pre bit as well. So yeah. It reminds me of them. Well, <laughs> what does it remind you of, Seth? Oh, yeah, oh yes. You... Yeah. No, I'm with you now. Yeah. It, remind, pre... it reminds me a bit of hair, hair dryer shoebox. It just a little bit, just a little bit, just a little bit, and I think that that is where we will end today's episode. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for making it to the end. I have no idea how this, how long this episode is going to be yet, but we've been recording for nearly two hours. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see what makes a cut. 
Yeah, so have I, actually. Um, right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Tom, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. No worries. Yeah, it's been fun. Never again. Never again. <laughs> and uh, that's a goodbye from me. And it's a um, it's a fond, loving kiss at the night. Goodbye from me. A little fondle at midnight. A little midnight gobble of a good night from me. <laughs>